It can be really hard for us to relax at night. We're always thinking about covering crime. But the good news is our wonderful new sponsor, Via, has a terrific product that helps us unwind. Via Hemp has a wide range of terrific gummies of both the THC and THC-free varieties. They can help you with focus, recovery, sleep, creativity, or just plain enjoyment. These products legally ship to all 50 states. I really liked Zen in particular. This is a yummy blueberry option that lets you catch a chill sleep with help from CBN and CBD. It's really helped me turn off my brain and settle down for the night. I also got a shout out Flow State. It helped me feel energized throughout the day. Like not to brag, but I got a lot done. I'm talking about doing several interviews and editing a whole show from start to finish, not to mention jumping on some of the latest filings in the cases we cover. It really made me feel sharp and ready to tackle any challenge. I couldn't recommend this more. Via has so many great gummy options to choose from. Everything from guava berry low dose that allows you to microdose THC to the chill-inducing Delta 9 gummy dreams. Head to viahemp.com and use code MSHEET to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies. That's viahemp.com and use code MSHEET at checkout. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Enhance your every day with Via Hemp. Again, if you're 21 and over, you can get 15% off plus a free pack of award-winning gummies with our exclusive code, msheet at viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P dot com. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Content warning. This episode contains discussion of murder, drugs, and violence. Gunfire rang out near the darkened graveyard. Those who lived near the dead awoke to the shots. It was early in the morning of April 30th, 1980. A fog had fallen over the town of Greenwood, Indiana, the suburb bordering the south side of Indianapolis. The residents of the neighborhood around Mount Pleasant Cemetery later recounted what they heard for the police. Kenneth Bush counted two shots. Maybe a third. He wasn't quite sure. He stepped out of his house into the misty air and looked down the road towards the graveyard. Then he went back inside. Just down the road, Mary Ann Finley was certain she counted three shots. She and her husband were up with a new baby, a boy. 
They were just starting to doze off around 3.30 a.m. when they heard what sounded like three shots. The first one came, then there was a very slight pause, and followed by two consecutive shots being very sharp, with a ring at the end, like two boards clapping together. It sounded to the young parents like the sounds came from the northeast of their backyard. They flipped on their floodlights, but saw no one. A few houses down, Joanne Souder was tending to her sick three-year-old son. As she poured a spoonful of cough medicine, she heard three shots, with a pause separating the first one with the two follow-ups. She saw nothing outside her window. Several blocks away, C.O. McCormick and his wife had stayed up late with a bottle of wine. They woke up to the sound of the gunshots and the resulting cacophony of barking dogs. Hours later, the residents of Greenwood rose. Those who worked drove off to clock in. Those with children awoke to tend to their sons and daughters. The McCormicks embarked on a trip to Florida. Only Clifton Meadows awoke to a gruesome discovery in his driveway. He found the body of a man lying there, very obviously dead. He phoned the Myers Ambulance Service and the Johnson County Sheriff's Department. The Myers Ambulance came in first. They loaded the body onto a stretcher. Officers arrived and checked the corpse for signs of life, finding none. The coroner and the sheriff came. So did a detective named Bill Bradley. Meadows spoke with the officers. He assumed the dead man had been some random passerby who'd fallen victim to a hit and run. Meadows was wrong, though. The man wasn't a random passerby. His name was Stephen Presley. He'd been abducted, driven for miles, murdered, and then dumped on the edge of the graveyard. His case remains technically unsolved, but detectives soon got a pretty good idea of who killed him, because his killers would soon strike again. My name is Anya Kane. I'm a journalist. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. I'm an attorney. We first connected while looking into the Burger Chef murders, an Indiana cold case. Together, we built a spreadsheet documenting hundreds of cases of restaurant-related homicides. That original spreadsheet gave way to our podcast, The Murder Sheet. Now we maintain that same research-centric, investigative approach as we look into all sorts of homicides, including unsolved cases, historical crimes, and, of course, restaurant murders. We don't just chat about the headlines. Our podcast is a platform for our journalism. The Murder Sheet focuses on investigative reporting, thoughtful analysis, thorough research, and in-depth interviews. We're the Murder Sheet. And this is You Never Can Forget, The Man Who Knew Too Much.
Over the summer, we obtained the massive investigative file the Johnson County Sheriff's Office maintained on the Stephen Presley murder. These files have never been released before and reveal much new information. Before we get into it, we wanted to take a moment to thank Chris Davis for sharing his research in this area, and also for discussing with us his thoughts on the content of the file itself. We interviewed him in our previous episode, You Never Can Forget, The Crabtree Connection. At this point, we are sure you're wondering why we are discussing the Presley homicide in the middle of a miniseries on the Burger Chef murders. The fact is there might possibly be a connection between those crimes. And that hypothesis does not come from any modern-day armchair detective. It was raised by a member of law enforcement. Back in 1993, Johnson County Sheriff Doran Miller told Brian Corbin of the Franklin Daily Journal that Presley may have been murdered to silence him, that Presley could have had knowledge about other crimes, including Burger Chef, and may potentially have told all to police. He knew something, stated Miller. If the right things were done, possibly he could talk. Instead, of course, he was killed. Miller's words alone make it crucial to closely examine the death of Presley. One of the key investigators who worked the case at the time was Detective Sergeant William, or Bill, Bradley of the Johnson County Sheriff's Department. He served in the Navy during the Korean War and ultimately became a patrolman with Johnson County in 1971. We wanted to take a moment to highlight Bradley because he conducted many of the interviews we will be reading from, and many of the investigators' notes in the file also seem to be from him. As always, when we begin or end reading directly from a file, you'll hear this. Before we start talking about who Stephen Presley was, it is important to discuss who his friends and associates were. Presley was closely connected to a man named Daryl Crabtree. Who is he? Well, to start, let's listen to this moment from an interview Bradley did with a man identified as Michael. How much do you associate with Crabtree and... I buy my drugs from them. That sums it up, but of course there was a great deal more to it than that. By 1984, when the police busted up the drug organization run by Daryl, his mother Norma Jean, and other members of their family, it had grown to become the third largest drug ring in the country. The Indianapolis Star reported that between 1982 and February 1984, an incredible 90% of the illegal narcotics sold in Indianapolis were routed through the pharmacy that the family used as its drug source. But Daryl Crabtree had a reputation that went beyond his lengthy rap sheet for various battery and drug-related offenses. Crabtree looks out from his mugshot with a smug stare. He's sporting long, dark hair parted down the middle and a mustache. But despite his hippie appearance, Crabtree was not a peaceful man. He was prone to commit sudden acts of serious violence. And in the early part of 1980... He was also a worried man. Here's some of Bradley's notes. Crabtree is supposed to be crazy. He thinks charges are catching up. Not going to go to prison. We'll shoot witness informant. As we mentioned, the Crabtrees got most of their drugs through pharmacies. 
Around this time, a man named Dr. Carl Heinlein was often suspected of supplying prescriptions for a variety of drugs to anyone who came in and paid him. One key witness in the Burger Chef case once told us that Dr. Heinlein's parking lot was packed on Friday afternoons as people were desperate to get their drugs for the weekend. We will hear Dr. Heinlein's name come up in these files, but we want to note a couple of things. First, it is unclear whether or not Heinlein had any connection to the Crabtree organization. Secondly, when Dr. Heinlein was ultimately charged with these crimes, the jury was not able to reach a verdict, and he went free. With that in mind, let's hear a bit about how Dr. Heinlein's operation allegedly worked. The speaker is a woman named Lisa, who is speaking with a police investigator. Are you on anything right now? No, I... When's the last time you took anything? The last time I took anything? Two nights ago. I went to Dr. Heinlein, I got my prescription, and I told him that I wasn't going to take it anymore. I'm down to 130. I start at 170. I'm down to 130. I think that's good enough. Quaaludes or disoxin? Disoxin. And I told doctor, well, I told him that I was just leaving town, that I didn't, you can ask him, that I didn't need his appointment anymore because I wouldn't be back. I did that on purpose. What's it cost you for a visit to the doctor? $15? Oh, no, it's gone up. It's 18 now. Is it? That's for... But I owe... That's that's for a full checkup and everything. Yeah, well, he gives he gives you uh you know check in your nose, throat, and all this kind of stuff. But what I couldn't understand about that man, and I still can't, is why in the world how could he stand there and take Jan's blood pressure, roll her sleeves up when there was no veins left in either one of her. Her veins were collapsed on both arms, and turned around and write her a prescription. Now, isn't that against the law? How could he do it? I'll tell you bluntly, I stood there and I told Dr. Highline, I had a long talk with him. Jana liked him a lot. And I told him, maybe I did it wrong, I don't know, but I was trying to get information out of him. And I gave him every crooked name I knew out there. And I said, if you don't cut them off from coming out here, I said, all they're doing is either they're selling the dope or they're running it or they're using it for a bad purpose. And I gave him every name I knew. All right, now, I all I know to do now is watch and see if people will still get in. I told him, please don't give Rebecca anything else anymore because my mother doesn't want her having it. It is worth noting here that, according to the notes in the file, Stephen Presley was himself working with Dr. Heinlein. A handwritten note from an investigator alleges that Presley would obtain blank prescriptions from Dr. Heinlein and use them to forge prescriptions to get drugs either for himself or to sell. In any case, it is now time to get to Stephen himself and discuss what sort of a person he was. His mugshot shows a thin young man with shaggy hair, a skinny mustache, and an intense gaze. It seems clear that he was heavily involved in the drug trade. It also appears that he did not hesitate to steal from other drug dealers and users. Here is an experience that Michael recounted to Bill Bradley. Presley walked in. As a matter of fact, it was Fat Cat that was in the house, you know. And then Presley took about, I'd say, 
close to six or seven thousand blue tips from him. And then this dude that lives, Danny, took me to a guy's house over on King Street. And Presley had kicked in the door on a dude that he had left. He had one watchman there and came up with a big old plastic jar of preludes. How many is in a big old plastic jar? I don't know, you know. But we shot good dope. We knew that. So, you know, that's a that's good concentrate. When was this? Oh, it's been last year, last summer. It might be the reason Presley was hiding, do you reckon? Yeah. And Michael was far from the only person to have a negative experience with Stephen. Here, Lisa describes one of her experiences. In your opinion, who do you think, did you have anything to do with any of the Presley murder or anybody else? No, I did not. Do you know anybody that did in your mind? There's so... Your your mind. I'm not talking about... In my mind? Right. Your opinion. Jan would have reason. Danny would have reason. Billy would have reason. Jerry out and out, quote, said he was going to have him taken care of. Okay. Christmas Day. Would this would this be over a drug? Ripoffs? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Was it? Christmas Day. Jerry said, he told us, I'll just be honest, we went over there to buy some quaaludes. Uh-huh. Three quaaludes is what we bought. One apiece. And Steve Presley walked in, and I just like to have a heart attack, because I've only had one dealing, ever really bad dealing to do with him. And that's where he put a knife to my throat, took my car keys, and drew a gun on me. I found out what kind of person he was, and that was the end of that there. We did uh, we did not get along. When he came in, Crabtree or, uh, oh boy, they've got me so confused. Jerry went ahead and sold him what he wanted. And when he left, Jan told him, she goes, you might be straight with everyone else, she says, but I'm warning you now, she goes, Danny's looking for you. She goes, and you're dead. Jan told him he was dead. They were going to kill him. And so then he left, and she goes, why did you sell him that? And Jerry says, because, don't worry about it. He's taken care of. He said, we've got to take our time and be cool about this. But, he goes, I guarantee you, before summer's here, he's dead. A weight loss journey can feel like a lonely struggle. But it doesn't have to be. For so many of us, lifestyle changes like deciding to lose weight, adopting a nutritious diet, and taking up fun exercises are all about putting our own health and wellness first. But it can be really hard to know where to begin or how to keep the weight off once we've seen some progress. Quick fixes like soup diets and juice cleanses are unsustainable. There's a much better way to embark on this journey that over 200,000 people have already chosen. We're talking about the Row Body Program. Here's how it works. Row gives you access to one of the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Their Row Body Program then sets up a comprehensive weight loss program tailored to your specific lifestyle, health status, and goals. In addition to the weekly shot, you get one-on-one coaching with a registered nurse. That can help you adopt and stick with lifestyle changes like exercise routines and nutritious diets. It's a comprehensive program that sees participants lose 15 to 20% of their weight in a year on average. But the real benefit is that you keep that weight off. This is weight loss at its most sustainable. 
With Roe, the average weight loss is 15 to 20 percent of your weight in one year in conjunction with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roe.co slash msheet. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. Go to roe.co slash msheet. That's roe.co slash msheet. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Despite the risks he was taking, Presley's criminal record at that time was not terribly extensive. There was a charge of shooting with felonious intent and a charge of possession of stolen property. But beyond that, most of the charges were alcohol-related. Now, this statement is likely self-evident for most of our audience, but we think it bears noting. No one deserves to be murdered. That includes people with addiction issues and those involved in the drug scene. Presley had plenty of problems, but he was a very young man, and we are sure there were people in his life who cared deeply about him. In many ways, it could be said that the story of the murder of Stephen Presley actually started a couple of weeks earlier with an incident at a Speedway hotel. A man named Thomas recounted what happened to police investigators in a 1982 interview. Okay, did you know Stephen Presley personally? Uh, yeah, I met him several times. Okay, was his main business dealing in drugs? Yes. Okay, and well, just tell me a little bit about him and how you became familiar with him. Well, I met him, I met him through the Crabtrees. The Crabtrees being Daryl and Ricky Moe and their mom, Norma Jean. Norma Jean is kind of the head of that thing. She she runs it all, you know. And then their father, Cliff, he's kind of the, oh, resident enforcer. Damn erratic of the family. Uh, that was how I met Stephen, his brother. About a month and a half, two months before he was killed, there was an incident at the American Inn West on Crawfordsville Road between a guy named Terry King and Daryl Crabtree. And Presley was there. What they what it amounted to was there was going to try to rob Terry. I guess a struggle ensued and Terry wasn't going to give up whatever they wanted. And Daryl cut Terry on the chest and then they left. I I think the police was called there. I'm not sure. I don't know. Terry always swore that he was going to get even with Daryl for what, well, some other things happened in the meantime. They uh, arrested Speedway police questioned Terry about some burglaries or some stuff like that. And they somehow, or rather the police had 
had got around to talking to Steve Presley about some burglaries, some drug dealings, and I think a murder that the Crabtrees might have been involved in. I don't know about it. I just know what I've heard. Okay. And uh, the uh, idea was formed among Crabtree family that Steve was getting shaky and about what he would roll over on them all. They knew he knew too much about the thing with Terry, and they knew he knew too much about a lot of other things. Plus, he had kind of a falling out with Zeril and threatened to go to Terry over it and divulge some kind of secrets. And how do you know this? Daryl told me. Daryl Crabtree told me this. Hi, bragging about it one night. Now, it is worth noting that the way Thomas describes what happened at the American Inn is quite different from how it was reported in the press at the time. According to those reports, the incident happened only a couple of weeks before the death of Stephen Presley, and Terry King was shot, not cut with a knife. Also, according to the press, the incident happened at the Classic Motor Lodge and not at the American Inn. We are not sure what to make of these discrepancies, but we wanted to point them out. In any case, what is clear is that in the aftermath of what happened to Terry King, very bad things started happening to people who had information either about it or Presley. For instance, there's the fate of Crabtree associate Otis Powell. On May 16, 1980, Demeray Smith was driving in Indianapolis with his nine-year-old son, Ernest. They were heading south, rounding an I-65 exit ramp near the Ohio Street exit. It was late, about 10.50 p.m. Looking up at the elevated highway, father and son saw a man appear against the dark sky. He slid over the railing, catching the edge of the guardrail with one hand. He hung there for a moment and then slipped. The man plummeted 35 feet onto the Washington Street sidewalk below. He landed face down, mortally injured. He was rushed to Methodist Hospital, but died 20 minutes after midnight. Police identified the dead man as 25-year-old Otis Powell, a known Crabtree associate. He had last been seen at the Pacers Den Tavern in Indianapolis, about a block or so away from where he died. Detective John Layton told the Indianapolis Star that the death was an accident and that alcohol had not been involved. Later, that version of the story came into question. By June 13, 1980, the Indianapolis Star connected Powell's fall off I-65 to the death of Presley. And then there's Jana Price, another known associate of Crabtree. Her mugshot shows a smiling young woman with long hair and a slightly absent smile. She was found dead, burned to death in her trailer on May 4, 1980. The fires that consumed her trailer were intentionally set. She was 25 when she died, and a mother. In an interview, Michael told Detective Bill Bradley that Crabtree was at Jana's trailer with a friend shortly before the fatal blaze. What did they say about Jana and her trailer? Did they say anything about that? No, The this, this is what I hear, is that they, Presley and Angel... Not Presley, but Daryl Crabtree and Angel were there shooting dope over there with Jan, you see. And uh, then they left. And then a couple hours later or so, you know, Jan Price's trailer comes up on fire and she's she's dead. Lisa shared her own memories of Jana's last days with a police investigator. 
All day Friday and a little bit of Saturday, I was with her. Mm-hmm. And she Saturday, she come down to my trailer. I lived there then. And she warned me and my sister, whatever. She said, stay clear away from my trailer or whatever you do for your own good. And that was the night she knew she Friday night. She come out here the night before she died. She told my sister that she that goodbye. She knew she was going. Lisa believed that Jana's life was in jeopardy because of what Jana knew about the death of Stephen Presley. Okay, the Friday before Jan's death, what did she in fact tell you about the Presley situation? Well, not a whole lot about it, really. I mean, the main thing she was concerned about that day was she... Was she there when it happened? I don't know. I think she... What did she tell you? I think she witnessed it. I really do. Do you? Yeah. Lisa shared another crucial detail. Teresa, uh... Uh-huh. Told us the other night that the night that uh, Jan was burned to death, that he came home with black soot all over his shoes. Daryl did? Yes, black soot. So he had to have been in somewhere where there's soot, fire. I told Beasley what I think. I think Jan never locked her doors. Never. All right? The front door was locked, and the uh, I detective Beasley said he wouldn't be back in town till Tuesday. And I've just been dying ever since because I had Randy come down and help me look and help me look because I thought somebody was out in those bushes in that creek line in the clear watching me. In fact, Lisa feared that her own life was in danger. Ever since Jan is dead, I've had nothing but threats, 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 threats. So I've had it. Lisa, do you know any reason why you would be getting threats? Because they think that I... They think that I know who killed Jana, and sure, I suspect. I've got plenty of suspicion, but I don't have no concrete evidence. I'm trying to get that, though, and I know it's dangerous doing it, and I told, well, I'm willing to even put myself in a position to set him up. This is how bad I want to prove it, and tonight has really got me convinced that Daryl Crabtree, I can't help it. I think he did it. Lisa shared the chilling details of one particular threat. Crabtree's little girlfriend told me at the gas station tonight, she said, Lisa, she said, Daryl's not going to rape you, but he is going to kill you. Who told you this tonight? His little girlfriend, because my little girl just liked to have a heart attack. Daryl Crabtree's girlfriend said that he was going to kill you? Yeah, I pulled up in the gas station. She came over there, and I rolled the window down this much. And she goes, Lisa, she goes, where are you living? I go, none of your business. And she goes, well, what are you going to do? I go, I'm leaving town. She goes, well, don't you want to know who killed your sister? I go, well, sure, I want to know. I said, but I don't know, and I don't know nothing. She goes, well, that's good. And she goes, well, what do you think about Daryl? She goes, I want to know something. Did somebody try to run you guys off the road the other night? And my my eyes went that big. I go, how did you know about that? And she goes, what? Because it was Daryl that tried to run you off the road. She goes, what kind of vehicle was it? I go, how did you know about it? She goes, what kind of vehicle was it? And I, I said, well, I, Marcy, I said... I was told he was going to rape me and then shoot me. 
She goes, well, Lisa, he's not going to rape you, she goes, but he is going to kill you. Because he thinks that Jana told you about everything that is going on. And in that way, you know about some of the deaths and things. Right. They think that I know more than I actually do know, because I was with her day and night. The death of Jana Price made Lisa resolve to try to be a better person. There's crooked ways of making money. You can sell dope, or you can steal, or do things. But I, I'm just, if I can't make it honestly, I don't want it. Mm-hmm. You can to, to tens of millions of doctors if you want. You can do that. You can sell pills. You can deal in pot. You can rip people off and raise hell. But who wants to live like that? That's the way Jan made her living and where, look at her now, she's dead. What good did it do her? I don't know how it could do anybody any good. She's paid for all of us. All I know is God. My grandma said it's going to take a tragedy to teach us all. And I used to be a very religious person. Now, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I said, when I'm ready to go back to church, I'll go. I said, but if I went right now, I'd be being a hypocrite. And I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Her death has done something, you know. It's only natural. With all the threats going around, it won't surprise you too much to learn that someone whose words we've read to you this week would indeed die under mysterious circumstances about seven months after the death of Stephen Presley. We will share that story with you next week. We'll also share more details about Presley's homicide and give you our opinion about whether or not there is a connection between what happened to him and the Burger Chef murders. Thanks so much for listening to The Murder Sheet. If you have a tip concerning one of the cases we cover, please email us at murdersheet at gmail.com. If you have actionable information about an unsolved crime, please report it to the appropriate authorities. If you're interested in joining our Patreon, that's available at www.patreon.com slash murdersheet. If you want to tip us a bit of money for records requests, you can do so at www.buymeacoffee.com slash murdersheet. We very much appreciate any support. Special thanks to Kevin Tyler Greenley, who composed the music for the murder sheet, and who you can find on the web at kevintg.com. If you're looking to talk with other listeners about a case we've covered, you can join the Murder Sheet discussion group on Facebook. We mostly focus our time on research and reporting, so we're not on social media much. We do try to check our email account, but we ask for patience as we often receive a lot of messages. Thanks again for listening. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected and 24-7 customer support 
means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.